I'm Siobhan Kelly, and I'm a strong woman in learning and development at San Francisco Public Works. When I was 15, I started working at Nordstrom. I worked there for 17 years. So I started there as a stock girl in, um, in high school, and they were great. They let me come back summer after summer and work um, when I was in college. And then when I graduated, I went into management with them. And then I had a little setback. My brother passed away and I decided I needed to leave town. So I went down to Los Angeles and started working down there again with Nordstrom. One of the regional trainers asked me if I could teach a class on customer service. And um, I did and just really loved it and went from there into training and development. I ended up leaving Nordstrom in 2002. I was the director of employee learning and development for all of their Los Angeles and Orange County stores. So I had about 15 stores and about uh, 35,000 employees. And uh, it was wonderful and I loved it, um, but I needed to come home. So I started looking back in San Francisco. It was 2002 and a friend of mine works for the city. She's an investigator with the public defender's office. I told her, I said, if you ever happen to see any job openings in, in my field, please let me know. And almost immediately she saw an opening for a, um, a training officer here at, at San Francisco Public Works. And I was lucky enough to get the position. My role is manager of the University of Public Works. We here at the university um, are available to provide information to staff about where they can get professional development. Our work lives are the majority of our waking hours. Um, we're supposed to have eight hours, I guess, outside of work. Eight hours to sleep, eight hours to work, and eight more hours to, to be human beings. Although those eight hours are usually, you know, in grocery stores or cooking or cleaning. So, um, so for me, you know, when you're at work, you're going to be the most productive and the most um, engaged when you're happy with what you're doing and you feel as though you're valued. And for me, investing in our employees shows that we value them. We have staff that work here that know how our business runs. We want to make sure that those are the people we get promoted into, you know, leadership positions um, because, you know, we, we invest in them and we want them to succeed. And that's why I do what I do. So a lot of people ask me about, you know, leadership style. And for me, I believe in servant leadership. The philosophy behind it is more that, you know, at the higher you grow within a company or an organization, um, the less contact you have with your customer. You know, I think a lot of our staff are incredibly busy with what they do day to day. And they sometimes forget that, you know, the folks that they see on the street um, are our customers. And so if I can provide them with information that they can use to then help uh, a citizen or a resident or a visitor, I think that 
that's the most gratifying thing. So when I tell folks in classes, you know, if somebody asks you a question, it's okay to say, I don't know. I don't know the answer to that, but let me ask my supervisor. Let me take your name and number and I'll get back to you. And when they find out that they can do little things like that, it's it's shocking to them. They're like, really? We can do that? <laughs> like, yeah, you know, and, and, but making sure you do call that person back and tell them the answer to the question that you found. So as a servant leader, you're really trying to take care of the people that are facing the customer. When training new supervisors, I always ask them about the best boss they ever had and the worst boss they ever had. And the worst boss, there's so much to share every time about the worst boss they ever had. And um, so it's important, you know, you see the things out there that you don't want to do. You see the things out there, the people out there that you don't want to be. So you have to kind of work and find someone that you feel a bond with, an alignment with of some sort, and then start just talking, communicating, and asking for help and developing that kind of relationship. And people actually like to help others more than you think. You know, we often think we're being a burden when we ask someone for help, but most of the time people enjoy helping others. So um, if you can find a mentor that uh, has been around the block and is willing to share information with you, soak it up. It's, it's great stuff. And I think just being able to talk to people, just having the courage to speak up. I was, I'm very lucky. I went to an all girls high school, so we were forced to speak up. We were forced to, um, run for government, you know, class president and things. So um, it, it helped reduce that fear. Working at Nordstrom and working at the city and county of San Francisco, I, I had the great fortune of meeting a lot of, of wonderful people that were strong leaders, and many of them um, were fabulous. There was a couple that really stood out that really influenced me. Blake Nordstrom was probably my um, biggest inspiration. He was the store manager at Hillsdale in San Mateo, and I grew up in San Mateo. He was this multimillionaire. His grandparents started the company, but he would walk around the store picking up tissues off the ground and helping a customer that looked lost and giving directions, and they would have no idea who he was. And he would never tell them either. So, you know, it was just that, again, that servant leadership, that um, I'm here to help mentality is always really inspirational. And I think that the best kind of manager, leader, or supervisor is the person who's not afraid to roll up their sleeves and do the work that their staff is doing. If you can't do that, then, you know, you don't understand what your staff's going through and you can't really help them. I would say right now I'm in awe of Carla Short, and um, she's very inspirational. I, I'd say that, you know, her not just being willing to take over this department, you know, as our interim director, but just the fact that she's able to do it with um, what appears to me at least to be a lot of grace. She provides dignity to people. You know, she's she gives you FaceTime. She uh, understands. She has such strong knowledge of how we work as a department from her years at uh, in uh, urban forestry. She's she's just she's a great leader, and I'm I am inspired by her for sure. You know, when I first started twenty years ago, Ed Lee had just become our director. 
And I would walk into a meeting and quite often be the only female and far away the youngest person in the room. And that's very intimidating. (laughs) But Ed seemed to um, really be interested in in driving us towards success and driving us towards improving our processes and towards improving our department. I feel as though, yes, it was male dominated surely by just the numbers and also the, the type of work that we do at public works. But I never felt that he wasn't open to hiring a strong female leader and female leaders emerged um, while he was our director. The nature of, of our business, engineering, architecture, trades, street cleaning, those are all typically male-dominated fields. So I think that's that's a bit of a challenge, you know, because you have a smaller population within those ranks that you can um, promote up. So I feel that we have to really focus on women and focus on our BIPOC population and figure out ways to pull them up to leadership levels. You know, if we take the time to focus in on um, that population and grow leadership through mentoring programs, through uh, ensuring they're receiving training and development, opportunities, stretch assignments, opportunities to show what they're capable of doing. Um, Internally, we can do things like that. But as far as hiring and and getting folks into these types of positions, um, we are under a huge constraint of this, the civil service process. You know, that's something that citywide we have to take a look at. And we're starting to, at least, um, through our racial equity working group and through racial equity action plans. It's a huge topic I'm hearing in um, all of my meetings with other departments. I meet regularly with the training and development leaders from um, other departments. Every month we meet and we experience a lot of the same challenges. And that's one of them, is dealing with the rules and regulations of hiring here at City and County of San Francisco. When our department, you know, went through this massive scandal um, and our previous director was arrested, um, I think all of us really were challenged with wondering where, if where we were going was the right path, because he was our leader. And, you know, he was certainly taking us down a particular path. And the question I think I had was, you know, what has he done for public works that was positive and right and that we need to keep doing? And a lot of it was positive and right. A lot of our strategic plan, you know, as a department, we had a strategic plan long before most people. Um, our core values, our uh, process improvement efforts. And those are all things that I think we can be very proud of and continue to focus on. So even though our our leader took a left turn somewhere and went down a wrong the wrong path we as a department have managed to keep moving forward and um, we are doing really difficult work here in san francisco the work that we do is very challenging it's not for the faint of heart 
So there's many times where you might feel, though, uh, what am I doing and why am I here and am I doing the right thing? But as long as you focus on the priorities, keeping things, whatever the departmental priorities are, if you're in alignment with those, then you can just continue to work forward. And even though the unknown can be scary, we already know who we are. We've come through this challenge. We know that what we care about um, at Public Works and who we care about, meaning our, our customers and citizens and residents. And as long as we focus on that, um, changes, changes will be good. Changes will bring new talent, will bring new information, new ideas, and everyone will be able to grow and become enriched. So that's my, my philosophy. What is the most challenging aspect of being a leader is, is a, an interesting question because I don't think of myself when I wake up in the morning as I'm a leader and I'm going to go in and be a leader today. I mean, more or less, it's this is what I have to do. This is what I have to get done. And, um, and this is how I feel is the best way to approach it. Once you are in a leadership leadership position it is a little scary because you feel like people are watching you you have more more eyes on you um and it can be intimidating but you know if you come in and you do your best every day there's really not much more you can ask for you know if we thought about the best staff we've ever worked on the best team we've ever been on and everybody just comes in and does their best what more can you ask to be successful at, at Public Works, I think is it's it's not any different from wanting to be successful in any organization. I think what I wish I had known was that I had a lot more to learn than I knew. And that, you know, there was tons of stuff that I could learn from every person I've come across at Public Works and in, in life. So if you take the time to... Um, Meet people, learn how they got where they are, learn what, what they know, and uh, work together. I think uh, my uh, career path would have been much smoother if I had um, done that. But, you know, every, every job you've, you take, you, you learn new things from and you learn new things about and you um, take it with you. I call it your toolkit. You know, you have a toolkit. It's like when you graduate from college or when you decide to go into the workforce, your your toolkit's empty. But as you move along, you have to you you start picking up tools from different people that you meet throughout your career. Whether it's someone who communicates very well, someone who inspires you, someone who, when they delegate a task to you, you actually want to do that task. <laughs> Learning how to do those things; those are all tools you want to put into your toolkit. So realizing that um, there's so much out there to learn from people is 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 huge because you think you know it all when you're young um, but you don't <laughs> not by any means I believe that um, in order to be a great supervisor you have to care about your staff so if you're in it to get that extra you know pay to be the supervisor but you really don't care about your staff um, you're not going to do well and your staff will feel it. So as I kind of said before, the, the higher you go within the organization, the more people you're supporting and the more you have to give. And um, I think that new supervisors, they need to realize that, you know, they're working with people who have challenges, who have personal problems, and that if they care about their staff as people and care about their success and their growth, 
that they will do amazing things as supervisors. Their staff will be amazing. Thanks for listening to Snapshots, a Public Works podcast.